Hey everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Tara Scott, and I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And this week, I am recommending a sapphic romance novel. And I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and this week, I'm recommending a queer film. So as always, we just want to take a minute to thank everyone that supports the show through coffee or our newsletter on Substack. Links to both in the show notes, of course. Thank you to the folks that review and rate us on the podcast apps. And if you would like to do just one more thing to support us, and if you haven't done it yet, just please tell a friend about us if you think they would appreciate getting queer media recommendations. Chris, it's been a while. It has been. We your face skipped an episode because it happened that we were supposed to film like bang exactly at christmas yeah well it was christmas so we did right. christmas things <laughs> instead so yes. let's catch up i it's been so long what did you do on your christmas vacation the ultimate grade school question <laughs> right on my christmas vacation actually i it was very low-key christmas this year was very low-key and on Christmas Day, so through my work, we get a lot of uh, gifts from vendors and we're not allowed to accept them unless we accept them to raffle them off into for the whole company. So like you can't like so that way vendors aren't paying us for, for us to use them, you know, exclusively or whatever. So we, like there was an issue years and years ago. And so that became a policy. It's like our only policy at work. Mm-hmm. Don't take gifts. I mean, everything else you can get away with, but don't take gifts. So anyway, so a vendor offered us some Christmas Day Kansas City Chiefs tickets, and I won them in a raffle. And so I called my sister up and I said, hey, what are you doing on Christmas Day? She's like, well, hmm, I thought we were opening gifts. I'm like, well, how about we go to the Chiefs game instead? And she's like, that sounds amazing. So we went to the Chiefs game. And let me tell you, so these seats were amazing. They were on the uh, second level, which means all the, uh, this, the, you have to, you certainly have to show your ticket to get onto that floor. And then the seats are like really posh and thick and cushiony, mm. like, which isn't normal for stadiums. Mm-hmm. And you could go inside and there's like lounge areas with couches and chairs and like big TVs where you can watch the game if it's too cold wow. outside. And there was like, in the row that we were in, there's like 20 chairs, 20 seats. And out of the 20 seats, only like six were taken. So like there was nobody around us. And we were like right on the edge. We were on the chief side and we were right at the edge where they come running out of the tunnel. So it was just like an amazing spot. It was an amazing spot. And it was the shittiest game ever, ever no. played on Christmas Day. Like we lost we lost we lost first of all we lost to the raiders like kl gallagher right now is like fist pumping but we lost to the raiders which is like a really bad team Mm -hmm. and it was like it was stupid mistakes like i think the defense got all the points that's how bad it was like we lost because of the defense like defense scoring points yeah our offense like sucked so what you're so. saying is that Jesus was too busy celebrating his birthday to Jesus help was you celebrating his birthday <laughs> and did not help our quarterback make plays down down the field and into the end zone. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was still fun. It was still an experience. You know, we got out of there and I'm like three miles from the stadium. No joke. I literally live three miles from the stadium. 
So a lot of times I'll hear the flyovers and you'll hear the fireworks. Mm -hmm. So even if you record the game and you're waiting to watch it, you'll hear the fireworks. So you're like, hmm, something good must happen. Like, you know, it's also (laughs) the same way because like the baseball stadium and the football stadium are side by side. So you can always tell when the Royals hit a home run because, you know, the windows are open. It's springtime. It's summertime. And you can always hear the fireworks. And so anyway, uh, but it it was still fun. And so we went back to the house and my sister and I watched it the last, you know, eight minutes of the game at the house Mm because we got home in like two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So it was it was a lot of fun. So uh, what about you? What did you do over the holidays? We had a pretty uh, we had a pretty quiet Christmas it was just the four of us which was super nice we really like those kind of like laid back chill and i did kind of my usual thing made a duck nobody likes white meat in this house and duck is made of nothing but dark meat and so it's perfect and i made my grandmother's dumplings and i think it might be the best batch i ever made wow my oldest kid and i both ate so much that we hurt ourselves that (laughs) night I mean, that's what the holidays are for, hurting yourself with food. Uh, What? But I'm incredibly fortunate. I work at a company that actually shuts down for Christmas for two weeks. Wow. Uh, I know. It's wild. So we're recording this on January 7th. I'm going back to work tomorrow. And I have to say, like, I usually take two weeks at Christmas because my kids have it off from school anyway. Mm, So I like save my vacation. And but to know that I'm going to go back and like my inbox hasn't exploded. My Slack hasn't exploded because everybody's off has been such like a peace of mind thing. I haven't thought about work in the last nice. two weeks. It's been pretty great. Instead, I played a video game like it was my job. <laughs> I'll get into that in a little while because it's a very queer game. And also we got out of our house for a few days earlier this week because we after many, many years of saving and investing and all of that, we replaced every floor, every floor surface in our house. That's and in fact, we also, we never had, there was never flooring installed in the basement. So we had flooring installed in the basement too. Wow. Um, it feels like we have a new, new house. home. I bet it does. It's yeah. So good. And like, we're not done yet because we still want to paint. We want to paint every room and we want to get new living room furniture, but we're going to wait and save up for those. And like, thankfully, you know, gallons of paint are a lot cheaper than flooring, but we wanted to make sure that we ended up with like everywhere that has carpet. We wanted the same carpet everywhere that has not carpet. We wanted to have the same not carpet. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. We wanted it all to match. So do it all at once. My parents had a situation where they were redoing their floors. I forget however many years ago, like within the last five years, and they were doing it room by room mm-hmm. and it was all matching. It was like, it was doing pretty well, but there was one room left and they said, are you sure this carpet will still be there next year? And the salesperson was like, yep, yep, yep. It was not. Oh, so they got one that's similar, but it's not ah. same. Didn't the most want to do something like that. So yeah, we, uh, it was the, not going to lie. The bill is a little bit like, <gasps> but also like, how often do you do it? Right. So exactly. It's done. I'm very, very excited. And plus the it. kids are older and they're not like, you know, dropping yes. food. Yeah. Wait till they and get to the Cheeto stage and they're teenagers and like, 
like I'm smear it all over their stage. You're in the <laughs> but I don't, smear, okay. I don't smear it on stuff. <laughs> well, most people don't try to. They just do. <laughs> uh, well, and, and the dog's not a puppy anymore. Right. Exactly. The other thing, which was super important. Like we didn't, mm. we knew, especially when the kids were little and yeah, like messes and, and also just like kids barfing on the floor because they're too little to figure out how to get to the, oh, awful. Kids barf on the floor. Like that's a new one to me. I know oh puppies God. do. Okay. Okay. There was one day, my oldest kid was three. Neil was out with some friends. I can't remember what he was doing. He might've been like playing D&D or something like that. I was messaging back and forth with Lee Winter, the author, about something. I can't even mm -hmm. remember what it was. This was like nine years ago. I think it was quite early in her writing career and it was quite early in my, I don't think I was even a reviewer yet. Hmm. I wasn't. So this was just like me as a fan messaging with this author because because my second kid wasn't born and I didn't start reviewing until after that. And so I'm messaging with Lee, Lee Winter and my kid had been like, she was a little <laughs> reluctant to eat dinner. I was like, come on, come on. And she had had these chicken nuggets. I was like, we'll just have more chicken nuggets because she's usually a big <laughs> eater. Me not thinking maybe she's not feeling well. <laughs> Besides, I'm talking to Lee Winter right now. <laughs> Eat right. your chicken nuggies. Right. And <laughs> she stands in front of the bathroom door and just starts throwing up. And I was like, oh, my God. And I dropped the phone. I wrote over like, no, no, go in the bathroom. Throw, like, throw up in the toilet. She went into the bathroom and threw up everywhere but the toilet. <laughs> and then afterwards i'm cleaning it up and it's just and i'm just like you know that you know when you're cleaning up somebody else's vomit and you're trying not to vomit yeah just right and i'm cleaning it up and she goes and she just stands there and goes chicken boff <laughs> i was like Ugh. chicken boff oh, oh so awesome. yeah that uh that carpet took a beating over the years and when so we got it was house, time yeah, like it was original to the house. And when we got it, the house was 18 years old. So it was big time time. But yeah, no more chicken boff, new floors. <laughs> we had cleaned the carpets many times since then, but you mm -hmm. never forget. Right. And you know it's like there that. for sure. It's like cats. They run to the carpet because they feel better on the carpet. Like I but can relate because animals. Yeah. You know, I that's how I see it. Oh, somebody's getting sick. Take quick. Pick her up, take her on the yep. linoleum, take her out of the front door, take her in the kitchen. Like, don't let her puke on the carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, they became real champs at barfing into buckets. Hmm. Life got better then. <laughs> so you have buckets around for the kids to barf in? How does this work? I don't understand well, raising now children. They're old like, enough this sounds weird. No, now they're old enough they can throw up in the toilet. But, like, if you can't get a four or five-year-old to run to the toilet fast um, enough, you just you put a bucket. bucket next to them and they throw up in it. Uh, for us, okay. So for for us here, maybe it's not for everywhere. It was always a trash can. Like you had a trash can nearby. That Without makes the sense. trash in it, yeah. But I mean, it was yeah. like it was like a trash can and, you know, mom would put a new liner in it and then like put it by your bed. Yeah. That's a good way to go too. Hmm. That's weird, a bucket. Okay. Well, because the bucket you can dump out and rinse yeah, it, and right. then. Well, that's enough about vomit. Hey, Chris, what's going on with your book? <laughs> okay, book news. Okay, so Dreamer, my book Dreamer, mm -hmm. is going to be available January sixteenth worldwide. So Yay! all the outlets, all the the big uh, companies that that sell books, uh, will now have this book available. And I know the audiobook is coming out soon. 
Uh, I believe uh, Lulu Larkin is narrating it. I just don't know when it's going to be. And they usually try to keep it closer to the general release date. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming it's coming anytime soon. That's exciting. Right. And I, uh, right now I'm writing Perfect, which is my first non-binary lead book. Mm -hmm. And so I'm struggling a little bit with that. I've asked for a little extension. And uh, I want to make sure I get the representation right. Mm -hmm. So I have an extra month on that, which means I really only have a couple weeks now um, to finish it up. And I signed the contract for the last book in the sensory series, and it's called Gaze. G-A-Z-E, not to be confused with G-A-Y-S, which... But also... But also also (laughs) G-A-Y-S. (laughs) <laughs> that's true it is a, a word play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you at all sharing the premise of that one yet or is it super secret for now um it's not super secret it's still very super vague because ah. i still have to get through this other book first yeah <laughs> and and my blurbs to my publishing company is basically like a paragraph and this is what i'll have it do by so we did work sandy and i did work Okay, Sandy worked on the blurb. (laughs) Who am I kidding? (laughs) So I do have a blurb, and I'm stalling right now because I'm trying to find it. Um, Very exciting. I think it's... uh, So here it is. When Lucinda quotes Lucky, she goes by Lucky, Chance, Mm -hmm. her last name is Chance. How cute is that? Oh, Lucky Mm -hmm. Chance. Mm -hmm. Lands the client of a lifetime. She promises to give it her all. Little does Lucky know that the woman she's been flirting with from her window all summer long is the client, Brianna Jameson. Not only does Lucky have to prove she can do the job, but she's desperate to impress the gorgeous woman who's occupied her thoughts. Brianna Jameson is bored with her stagnant life. Her friends are busy raising kids and walking away from promising careers. Not Bree. She's worked too hard to throw it away on something as flitting as love. But work and romance collide as Lucky stirs up feelings Bree would rather avoid. When Lucky gets fired for all the wrong reasons, Bree reaches out to support her for all the right ones. Love at first sight is for dreamers, but the more time they spend together, the more they realize that chemistry of a gaze can make anything possible. Yeah. Isn't that cute? Yeah. That's so cute. that's that's uh, after perfect, and that's that's gay. So that comes out in a, mo- in a year. That's January. Tw- was that right? Let me think about this. I don't even know. Yes. Yes, that comes out next January, 2025. All right, people, you have something to look forward to. Yay, yay. So what have you been reading or watching lately? Well, good news. I have finished Survivor. Uh, It is done. Season 45 is in the books. They have a winner. 45 seasons. Yes. It's wild. That's like 20-something years. It's been around for 20-something years. That's I know. It's amazing. Uh, and I haven't watched all the seasons either. It's just, mm. so like the first season, you know, it was a brand new show. It was kind of cool because we've all thought about this. How would you survive if you were in a plane wreck or whatever, and you were just alone on an island? Like, how would you survive? Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've all thought about it. I think there's actually some, I forgot what class it is, but there's a class in school where they they have, like, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's philosophy. It's, I don't know what it is, but anyway they have questions like this and you try to figure out how you're going to survive maybe that's why i'm so obsessed with the survival and the apocalypse and stuff it's because of that stupid class in school Mm -hmm. um 
but anyway, also, you know, the first, the first winner was a gay man mm-hmm. in Survivor. And so Survivor kind of has a history of queerness. So, yeah. um, so I tried to watch it. And even now, like before it was kind of hidden, you really didn't know that people were gay, gay, queer. Yeah. But I'd say in the last 10 years, like people are out and proud on that show now. So, and, and that's great. So I love to watch it for that reason. So that is over now. And I was really like, it was down to three people and I did not care who won. Like I yeah. loved them all, all three of the characters. It was, it was one of those where it's like, all th- any of them could win and I was fine with it. So, mm-hmm. so that was good. So I watched that. And then I binge watched yesterday, a show on Netflix called Fool Me Once. And, you know, I don't normally like shows that anger me, like not mm-hmm. anger me, like I don't like unjust shows shows oh, where yeah. you know the character is getting screwed over time and time again yeah. and you just can't it's it's hard for me especially when i have so much stress on you know my job job and then also i'm trying to hit this deadline mm-hmm. and so putting a show like that up in the background is is hard it's hard for me <laughs> so but i did watch it and i was the ending was kind of a little shocker and also a little disappointing it's it's not even really worth mentioning. I mean, it was okay. It was okay mm-hmm. enough to to you know spend my day with it on the background. Yeah. But the most important thing going on right now is all the football games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like last night, you know, my team's in the playoffs. Are they going to go far? Probably not. They're just not. They're not mm-hmm. very good this year. You know, uh, they haven't gelled. We have a lot of we have a wide receiver problem, but. So, you know, I've been collecting football cards. We talk about mm-hmm. that a lot. And I have uh, sent some in to be graded and they came back. So I have a whole bunch of cards now that I put on eBay. So last night I watched this very important game and it was mm-hmm. between the uh, Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. So whoever won that game, that team would go to the playoffs and the other team was out. So it was, it was a very big game. And mm-hmm. so this new kid, this rookie who's super hot, and uh, I have so many of his football cards. I, I was like, please, he has to win. He has to win because his value is just going to skyrocket. Takes well, I just realized you were talking playoff. about his looks. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was actually talent. I mean, it's he's cute. super hot. <laughs> I mean, he's super hot. Like, I mean, he's a cute kid without, he's like, he's a baby. He's like 22 years old, oh, no, but he's just, yeah. he's like super really, he's very, very good. Like he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, like our quarterback is, is also very, very good, but you know, he's, he's up and coming. He was like the number two draft pick and, oh no, he's number three. No, he's two. He was two. And so it's just really exciting to see his career because his career, you know, skyrocketing means my money, you know, mm-hmm. skyrockets too. So the value of the cards. So here's the funny thing. So mm-hmm. on TikTok, I have an account and I do thing, you know, I do book trailers and stuff like that. And I put it out there and like, I'll get a few views, like no big deal. Like, oh, hey, I'm looking forward to this. You know, like 20 likes or whatever. Yeah. And, but let me tell you, I put a, I put a TikTok of some cards that I have for this kid. And like, oh my God, I have like a ton of comments and all these, you know, dudes are like, oh, CJ Stroud, you know, they're so excited about it. (laughs) So, I mean, my football TikTok is doing a shit ton better than my book TikTok. So (laughs) go figure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I suppose the audience for American football is a little bit bigger than the audience, unfortunately, for (laughs) Lesvik or Sacrifice. I know. 
but uh you know whatever either way works either way you know mm-hmm. either one works for me so anyway enough about football uh what about you what have you been reading or watching lately all right so canada's drag race is down to the final four and <laughs> there's three that i would be extremely happy if they won and Ooh. even the fourth one as much as i would rather she not win if she did i would fully respect it Okay. So it's like four people that kind of like what you were saying with Survivor, yeah. it mm-hmm. almost doesn't matter who wins. Like, just go ahead, be amazing. They did the most lovely, like when they were getting from five to four, where they surprised the queens with family members so that they could do a makeover on them. Oh, that's So awesome. two of them, their partners showed up, two of them, their mothers showed up, and one of them, their best friend showed up. And I love the makeover challenges anyway. I think those are so fun. But this one was just like especially special. And really seeing the two mothers that showed up because one of their kids is a trans man and the other one's kid, because they're Métis, is Two-Spirit, which is kind of also within the, the trans community, but like mm. in from a, an Indigenous perspective. And just hearing the unwavering love and support, I'm hoping that other adults who maybe don't really get trans stuff or think that there's a trans agenda will see these parents and see that unwavering love and what they did to like in the one case, you know, she said, you not surviving was not an option for me. And it was just like this, like, oh, like, I really hope that by putting that on TV, it changes hearts and minds. Because I don't think I talked about this before, but um, you know how I went to Toronto last month and I Mm -hmm. talked about how like it was so amazing and I got to go to this queer market and it was so cool. Well, on the way back, I won the flight lottery because not only did I get a good legroom seat. But there was nobody in the middle. So, like, I was on the oh, aisle. Okay. Mm-hmm. This woman was on the window. And she seemed quite nice. It was, like, sharing snacks with me. And we were getting along quite well. Until she started talking about how she can't see her grandkids anymore. Because she doesn't agree with the trans agenda. Ah! <laughs> I didn't get into it with her. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think you need to expend your energy on strangers. Mm-hmm. You just don't like I save my energy for that for the people in my life that I genuinely care about and have a relationship with and would like to, you know, cultivate that because one conversation isn't going to change a mind. But I just thought, how fucking sad is it to be okay with not having a relationship with your grandchildren or your children because you think there's some such thing as a trans agenda? And let me tell you, it was not a surprise when she turned her she turned her phone to me so that I could see a picture of her other grandbaby who's new who she was going out to see. And there was a pop up on her phone and it was oh. something to do with Tucker Carlson. Oh, geez. And it's like, yeah, you've been indoctrinated. Right. And so my hope is that, you know, there there are some of these people who do watch drag races. Um, and so I hope that in seeing this and in seeing these really supportive, wonderful mothers can kind of understand that it's okay to prioritize the person mm-hmm. and that that's something that you should do so yeah canada's drag race this season honestly has been fabulous um i've really really enjoyed it and the new regular 
why do I call it regular? The new season of the main like RuPaul's Drag Race in the U.S. has started. Mm. It's only been one episode. It's been fun so far, but they surprised the queens with a celebrity. It was Charlize Theron. <gasps> I know, what? right? I know. Like, they top five for me. Oh, it was amazing and she just flat out acknowledged like i know it's really hard for your community right now but we really need you and like so again having charlie's there and speak out in support of drag mm-hmm. i think is such a wonderful powerful thing for an a-lister to use their voice use their platform mm-hmm. it just it made my heart so happy it was so good and i texted you this but mm-hmm. there is a kansas city <laughs> queen <laughs> who is an Yay! incredible seamstress makes oh, her really? own costumes and they are stunning like i did start following stunning. them on instagram once you told me that mm-hmm. i think it's gonna be a good season i'm looking forward to it so far nice. they only brought in the first half of the queens because they often do that where they'll split it so the first two episodes are kind of the premiere so that you get oh, to spend yeah. more mm-hmm. time i'm glad they do that because that way you at least get to see that first queen who has to go you at least get to see her in two episodes right which you don't really get to otherwise but something cool that they're bringing back speaking of survivor they're bringing back the concept of immunity oh nice they haven't had in like apparently it's been since season five or something like that that they've had (laughs) that Mm -hmm. so yes there was a queen who won immunity which means that in a future week she will not be able to be eliminated so that would be a good thing right yay also have been watching snack versus chef which is it's all right it's a competitive cooking reality show which we all know i love i know there's queer representation on there oh yeah so the idea is there's a group of chefs and they have to recreate like popular snack food oh okay so i think i saw them trying to recreate like like the hostess twinkie or something like that the ho-hos or the ho-hos. Yeah. yeah, I knew it was something like that. Yeah, I did see yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, Pringles, Gushers, like all kinds of things. And so what they'll do, there's like two challenges per episode. And mm-hmm. the first one is, can you recreate this thing? And then the next one is, inspired by this snack, we want okay. you to come up with something. And then they'll give parameters cool. based on what the, that snack is like. I would say this show is fine. It is a perfectly serviceable treadmill show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not one that I can wholeheartedly recommend, but it's been kind of a nice, like, just throw it on in the background while right. I'm doing something else. So it's great mm-hmm. for that. The video game that I alluded to earlier that I have been playing, <laughs> like, like a your job, life um, depends on it, is Baldur's Gate 3. And I'm just switching to my email to make sure. Yep. Tegan Shepard emailed me about this <laughs> in September to ask are you currently playing or planning to play Baldur's Gate 3? It's wild. And she was talking about like the character customization and how detailed and granular it can get. And Tegan is absolutely right. That was one of the things that I think that was a little wild for me too, as I was setting up the character, because I was like, yep, we're going to go with like female, female build. And then you can like randomize faces and stuff. And it randomized so perfectly this this like beautiful el- i chose a half elf um <laughs> half elf face with like cotton candy blue hair kind of braided on the side with one cotton candy blue eye and one cotton candy pink eye 
And then that blue beard. And I was like, baby, we are non-binary. We are non-binary, <laughs> half-elf bard. This is what we are. And it's so good. The romance options are very good. I ended up, well, I didn't know who I was going to romance. And then my uh, one of my best friends, when I said something that I was doing and her husband texted and was like, you need to know that if you do this, then you won't get to romance this other particular character, which is the best romance option in the game. And I was like, okay. So I bailed on like two hours of gameplay. I had already oh. done. <laughs> so I could go back and get, and it's this, her name is Carlac, and she's a barbarian, but I respect her to be a fighter. <laughs> and she's from hell, but she's like a herbo, you know, like a himbo, but a girl. Mm -hmm. So she's like the best herbo. She's so <laughs> cute. I really love her. And so it's this like beautiful, super queer. And there's like just, it's just such a queer game. But in the way that like, it doesn't matter, which means it really matters. Mm. And so I like that a lot. So for people that like CRPGs, like computer RPGs, this is a great, great game. It's there are times when it frustrates the shit out of me. That's only because I don't like puzzles. And there are um, puzzles in this mm -hmm. game. And I'm like, give me the right walkthrough. There's so many walkthroughs. But finding the right <laughs> one is sometimes hard. But it's really worthwhile. I've put probably about 50 hours into it so far. And I still wow. have many many hours to go and then finally i read a fanfic i read a whole fic it, wow that was, good for you yeah it was about twenty five thousand words and i read it in like a day i think we've talked before about my obsession with like i'm just my my ship all the way is mirandy so miranda right. and andy from devil wears prada <laughs> sacrilegious perhaps i don't even love the movie but i love the fix i mm -hmm. because it has so <laughs> many things that work for me it has the age gaps it has the wealth gap, which I find really interesting sometimes. It I has it. the ice queen with the like sunshiny kind of wonderful girl next door. And so in this particular one, Miranda actually is pushed out of runway. She That's sort of the first thing that happens. And she's really surprised by it. And Andy is like, oh, shit. And then whisks her off to this house that she just happens to own. That's really beautiful and has art from Miranda's favorite artist. Who of could course. that artist possibly be? <laughs> I won't say. <laughs> um, but it turns out like they've they've also both been in love with each other for years. It's just a really sweet story. I think some people might feel like it's almost too sweet. I don't care. It was just a really fun, super readable, I think, right into it. And it worked for me. Mm. So that was my when I wasn't playing Baldur's Gate, like it was my job. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple days this week. Free time was, from your job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> playing the game. That's right. So, Chris. Yes. This week, what is your official recommendation? Okay, so my official recommendation is a movie that was released just the other day, January 5th, called Good Grief. It's a movie directed by and starring Dan Levy, which is also his directorial debut movie. He wrote it, too. Yeah, he did everything. Like, his, his name is on everything, on all yeah. the credits. It's his name. So here's a synopsis. Mark, who is played by Dan. Mark chose to distract himself from the pain of his mother's death by diving headfirst into a comfortable marriage with a charming, wealthy older man. But when his husband also dies unexpectedly, Mark's world is cracked wide open, forcing him and his two best friends to embark on a cathartic, life-affirming adventure to make peace with all the grief he'd been evading. 
So mm-hmm. that so there was a synopsis, like it was one sentence. I'm like, yeah, that's just not that's not deep enough. Like I need people to know what this story's about. Yeah. And so then I found that and I oh, that's perfect. So, you know, we're all out there trying to find good queer content. I mean, that's yes. kind of what we do. And we read through all the the bad stuff. And I really I thought that this was a beautifully filmed movie. You know, because of course he had the money and the backing and stuff like that. So it mm-hmm. he was able to to afford all the. I I don't know how cinematography works. I just know that money makes a big difference as far as how it seems and how it looks on the screen. Yeah, and it was absolutely beautiful. So this film is really about selfish people. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I selfish say, I rich like, people. <laughs> I felt like a blurb. I also, you said that this was going to be your movie, so I watched it last night. Neil and I actually watched you had it. Feelings. And I felt like that blurb was a little bit of a lie, um, especially that last sentence. But at the yeah. same time, I think my favorite thing about this movie is that it makes for some great conversation. Yes. Like you are so right that it is beautifully shot. Yes. Like I mean, it makes. It makes Paris look beautiful. Not that it's hard to do. It makes. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. I think they're in London. Like it makes. Yeah. Notting. His house is in Notting Hill. I mean. Yeah. Okay. He okay. shares with his. his. So like his husband. His, his husband is a multi-million dollar writer who like wrote a series like bigger than like harry potter so he's yeah I was gonna and say, he, yeah he's like a george r. r martin or right. a jk rowling type exactly yeah and uh so mark is the illustrator for mm-hmm. a lot of his books so not only was he able to work with his husband but he kind of like fell into this relationship because he didn't that's how he dealt with his grief of losing his mother Mm -hmm. um and so then he gets into this relationship and then he loses his husband i mean none of this is 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 a reveal or i'm giving something Mm -hmm. away but it's about it's supposed to be about grief and so what i find out what i find is that so i said that this movie was about you know selfish people and mm-hmm. in this case they're very wealthy selfish people at least at least uh marcus he's very very wealthy and so they have the means to deal with something as powerful as grief in a different way that than like somebody like i can deal with grief or cover it up uh depending on how you look at it um once you see this movie i think you, most people understand what that means and a lot of it is true i mean it's kind of funny because like i don't know in your circle but in my circle like my friends have dated each other mm-hmm I don't know if you have that, that th- and that to me is the weirdest thing. Like, and they're still friends, like they're super friends and they date each other and, and then they break up and then some time goes by and they become friends again. And then their friends date somebody else that they know. It's like, it's a whole circle. Like, I don't, I, I think that's, that's not pretty, me. my, my impression anyway, because that's not a thing that's happened. I don't actually have a friend circle though, actually to step back. Like I have many friends mm-hmm. and none of them are connected to each other. Mm. So that is very true for my lesbians friend, my lesbian friends here in Kansas City. Like it is a thing. Like, yeah, I was my... going to say it sounds like from what I've heard it sounds like it's very common mm-hmm. in queer communities in different cities though because when you sort of like make your friends in those communities, <laughs> well the communities are just naturally smaller. Right. than others. And I think for me I didn't have that because I didn't come to understand my queerness until after, you know, I'd had a kid. Like, that's right. not the time that I'm not going to go out and start like, hey, I'm going to go hang out. It's like, no, 
No, you're not. We're, try- we're trying to have another kid at <laughs> right. some point. Like- yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, grief is hard. Like I, you know, yeah. I've been going through my own grief, um, especially mm-hmm. losing my mother. So it was interesting to me to see how these people deal with things. And nobody is truthful in this movie at all. Like nobody is truthful about their emotions, about anything. And, you know, truthful means that you're vulnerable. And for some mm-hmm. reason, nobody in this movie wants to open themselves up because they see it maybe as a sign of being weakness, uh, being weak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's weird because even though they pretend to help Mark and want to be there for him. Yeah, because um, he has two best friends. Right, two best friends. So it's it's Thomas, who happens to be somebody he dated 15 years ago and mm-hmm. is still in love with him. And here's the shitty part. Like, Mark still knows that he's in love with him. And because he is needy and needs love because he's missing it so much by losing both his mother and his his husband, mm-hmm. like he tell he he asks his friend to move in with him to to stay with him, knowing yep. full well that this guy still holds a torch for him, and that mm-hmm. in this community in the gay community we know how detrimental that can be, you know. But yeah. again, it's about selfish people who are just trying to get through a serious problem. And by doing so, they're willing to kind of like sacrifice their own friendships to do that. Mm-hmm. So I did not like that. I did not like that. Even though they were encouraging, you know, like like Mark was telling him, oh, you know, you don't want to date this guy because he hurt you. Yeah. And then, oh, you're seeing this guy, you know. And, and here's the funny thing. He even pointed out, he's like, why are you going out to support your ex-boyfriend when you know he hurt you so badly like why are you going around him it's not right for you to do that but he's doing it himself like he is guilty i had you picked up on that yes yes that was a big one for me i'm just like ugh. and so sophie i think the girl friend oh she's the female friend she was awful like well ugh, yeah i had it? issues I felt like it was a little strange with her that they made it seem like she was flighty when what she actually probably had was addiction issues. Plus, she also, again, didn't want to face the truth. I mean, she lied about everything. You know, she like she's very, very selfish. She tries to cover up her own grief with lies, partying, drugs, you know, Mm -hmm. sex. And finally, when all that's stripped down, you know, she has to come clean about what's Mm -hmm. going on in her world. You know, it's almost like she uses mark's grief as a way to hide her own problems like oh i can't deal with my own issues i must help my friend mark but really let's go party and like have you know he she had she was extremely comfortable spending his money Mm -hmm. like extremely comfortable and like even like when the husband was still alive he gives her a present she's like oh please tell me it's money to pay my rent oh please tell me it's this and if things don't work out i still want to be your friend because he's rich and he could take care of her and like I just don't like that. I don't like that whole, you know, even if she's quote unquote joking, I just, I didn't like how obsessed she was about the money situation, about having rich friends. Yeah. You know what I did like about her though? Uh, That acting. Oh, for sure. Uh, sure. I thought that that actor was so good. Yeah. I think she was, she probably had the best performance in the (laughs) film. Yeah, I think so. I think that her character allowed her to also have the best performance. Yes. You oh, know? yeah, because like um, messy characters. Oh, yeah. Messy characters can be as messy and come across mm-hmm. like as best acting for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so basically, it feels like a fluffy movie, like when you first watch it. But then you like you let it like like marinate and you just kind oh, of like yeah. 
yeah, it's, I still was thinking about it this morning. I woke up thinking about it going, yeah, there's so much to uncover here. There's so many layers to peel back just to get to the meat of it. One of the things that I, I only texted you a tiny bit about it, mostly Mm -hmm. just to let you know that I'd watched it too. But Mm -hmm. my impression from the little I'd seen about it from the, like from the little blurb I'd read from the trailer I'd seen was, oh, this is going to be a movie about found family. Wonderful. I love found family movies. Yeah, it was like, nope, it's nope. definitely not about that. I actually think if I had to sum this up in one line, it would be people are messy and feelings and grief is complicated. Right. Which isn't bad, but I do think that it was marketed in a way that was a little bit deceptive to get people to watch it Mm -hmm. because everybody knows that Dan Levy created Schitt's Creek, which was all about warm, happy feelings. And this Mm -hmm. is not about warm, happy feelings. Mm -hmm. This is about Mm -hmm. feelings being complicated. Right. And people not knowing how to deal with them. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's still worth watching because it's like, like I said, it's filmed. It's beautifully filmed, like where it's located, just even just like how it's filmed, the direction of it. I mean, it's funny, the mm-hmm. older you get, the more you understand how the movie industry works, like directing and 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 how and what's important and how you film things. You know, that all yeah. makes for very good, you know, for a very part that's part of the movie. Like how it's yeah. how it's portrayed and how you film it is part of the movie. And, you know, of course, and if you're a, a lovey fan, like who the fuck here isn't, you know, you have mm-hmm. to watch this movie. I think it's just it's it's really it's if you have grief, it's relatable and you can see, oh, this is how other people deal with grief. And are they really dealing with it? No. And, you know, maybe I'm doing it. I'm doing it right. You know, maybe the way I'm dealing with my grief is right. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's different. But but yeah. I think um, I'm just not rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not rich. No. I can't take my not friends yet. to Paris for the weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> but if I did and I had more grief in my life, let's go. We're going to Paris. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think, too, if you're going to watch this movie. Don't watch it alone. Watch it with a friend. They don't have so to be in the same room, but make sure that you watch it with somebody mm-hmm. else because it is such an interesting movie to talk about right. after. I can almost guarantee if you watch this, you will want to talk with somebody about it after. So yeah. I agree with Chris for all the reasons that you're recommending it. And I think like there are times that this happens to me more often with books than with films. And so it's interesting to have it happen with a film, but there are times when I'll, I'll, I'll read something and I'll think, I don't know if I like this, Mm. but I really want to talk about it. And I like that it's messy (laughs) and I respect, like I might come away from something where I'm not sure I like it, but I respect it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where Mm -hmm. I've landed with this one. I think there are some structural issues with it. I think there are some, I think there were too many tropes packed into right. it. There were a lot um, of tropes. But at the same time, if we look at this as like, this is his film debut, it's mm-hmm. a hell of it's a It's really debut. good. <laughs> yeah. Right. It is really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it'll win some like smaller awards. I yeah. think just because. Uh, it won't win like Academy Awards or anything like that. But it was just, it was refreshing to see, like like I said, a really, like a good film, you know, where the characters were exactly what you think they were going to be like at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was just, and it was feel good. You're just like, oh, everybody's in love. Are they, they're like living the dream. Yeah. They were super wealthy, you know, multi-million dollar book deals, which, oh, hello, dream. 
and like living in yeah living in London and it's just like or you know it's yeah so it started off really well and then it just kind of went downhill but that's kind of the grief process you know you Mm -hmm. don't realize what you have until it's gone yeah so anyway that is my recommendation Tara what is your official recommendation all right my official (laughs) recommendation this week is the sapphic romance novel Magdalene Knox by Milena Mackay so this book tells the other side of her (laughs) super popular novel that I love very very much called the headmistress I've previously recommended that one which is about a teacher and a headmistress at a boarding school falling in love after they previously had a one night stand. I really love those stories where it's like mm-hmm. one night stand. <laughs> oh fuck. You're my boss. <laughs> or or yeah. like one night stand. Oh fuck. You're my client. Like any of those kind of like, Oh no, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, I just think they're so fun. So I found out about this months ago, maybe mm-hmm. even more than that. I'm trying to remember when it was. I think it was actually after I interviewed Melina when we talked about Truth and Measure and she was like, hey, don't tell anybody, but I'm writing this. And I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. And I kept my mouth shut for a very long time and just kind of waited to see like, okay, but is this going to be like a for real, for real? And it was. And I didn't actually know how much I've been craving Magdalene's perspective until I found out that this book was happening because the headmistress is written entirely from Sam's perspective. Mm -hmm. And Sam is a very like positive girl next Dory type falling for this, like very closed off serious ice queen Mm -hmm. who is like, she's showing up and she's slashing budgets and firing people and because the school is kind of crumbling uh somewhat literally in some spots and so she's like if i'm gonna turn this school around like we need to do some serious shit and so i think where it got really interesting with magdalene knox is getting that full perspective of that ice queen and so i knew all the story beats right like i already Mm -hmm. read the story in the other book but because i was seeing it through magdalene's eyes this time i found i was being surprised all the time because Mm. i got access to her interior life to her emotions and i was shocked to learn that like she's actually deeply sensitive she feels so many things and she feels them so deeply and is like fuck this and uses this ice queen persona as like a suit of armor because she knows She's the only person who can protect herself. She's Mm. always had to do that because we know we find out very early on in this book. So I think it's fair to say that she has a stalker and Mm. not only that, her mother was not particularly there for her, but, you know, kind of speaking of the relationship with her mother, we get so much more of it in this book. We actually get to see her. We never saw her in the last book. We just learned some things about Magdalene where I was like, where the fuck was her mother in all that when she was young? Like, what's with this woman? Like, what? And then now we get to see what is with this woman. We get to find that out. (laughs) And I found that to be a really impactful part of the story for me because, yeah, Magdalene was effectively unparented. She had a parent, but like she was not parented. She was sent 
to this boarding school when she was young. And it was one of kind of many boarding schools she was sent to. But we also get to see that kind of in her own way, despite being a distant parent, she does care for her. And just as kind of one example, I thought it was super interesting. So Candace is her mother. She has more insight into who Magdalene is and what she's motivated by and how she operates than anyone else. Hmm. But she has still never been able to meet her emotional needs. And I think there's something really interesting about a mother who like she can read her like a book, but she can't meet her where she's at. And that's her own failing. Mm -hmm. And we see that again when actually, and I'm not going to get into the details of this because I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't read The Headmistress yet. But I found it super interesting that Candace, she knows who the villain is. Like she has them and their motivation pegged way before Magdalene <laughs> knows what is going on. And it was just kind of one of those, she dropped a comment. And I, I think I even looked to the side, like I looked away from my Kindle, like... <laughs> Everybody cats what? <laughs> How what? How does this happen? And so I think, you know, getting to see her perspective was also very interesting like to stick with that idea of being unparented. Well, Sam was unparented too because Sam was dropped off at the school as a baby, so like she was an, she was raised as an orphan. Um so they were both unparented, but we get to see how differently they both operate now as adults because Magdalene is constantly guarding her heart. She trusts very few people. Mm. And like I said, she has a stalker. So it's not just Candace's fault, but I mean, having a stalker after being not raised, I guess, by somebody like Candace doesn't help. But then we see that Sam is this very hopeful person. She's very positive. She's extremely authentic with the people around her. And so in this story, I felt like it really heightened that contrast mm. that we first saw in the headmistress because we really understand why Magdalene is the way she is. And it makes it even more special to see what's going on on her side as she slowly starts to trust Sam and understand that she actually, that it is safe to trust her, that she can love her and she can accept this love. And I thought that was really wonderful. I also think there's something very special about the writing style in these two books. It's quite particular to these books where it just feels kind of entrancing. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say a thing that sounds like it's not a compliment at first, but I actually, it is. There were times where the language felt almost hyperbolic to me, like almost, or like exaggerated or whatever for a contemporary romance. But I actually think it works really well in this case because it makes these two stories feel like they are the two halves of the same fairy hmm. tale. I actually don't think you get that fairy tale vibe without having that kind of hyperbolic language. And that really is sort of like it is a fairy tale where there's these two girls. They both grow up surrounded by people, but they grow up alone. They don't have the love or the belonging that they've been yearning for, but they find it in each other and they find it within themselves because of each other. And so having really broody language in a really brooding setting, I think, brings that to life in a way that just works really, really well for me. So for people that were wondering about, can you read it on its own? I think you could, but I don't think you should. The hmm. Headmistress was written as a standalone novel. Like that's just what it was supposed to be in the first place. So yeah, you could read The Headmistress, walk away, never read Magdalene Knox. I don't think you should do that, but you could. Uh, but this book references 
some conversations and events from the headmistress without fully showing them on the page. <laughs> and I think that was really smart because otherwise, you know, this book, this was a book for the fans, I think, if I'm reading between the lines correctly. And so for the fans, you don't want to read the same full sets of dialogue right. again. Right. That right. wouldn't work. That would be kind of boring. But it does mean that if you haven't read The Headmistress, then it might be a little confusing at times when it just seems to like blow past certain things. And that's because we already know what those events mm -hmm. were. All right. So as much as I was excited for it, I have to admit, I was a little bit afraid to read this book because The Headmistress is one of my favorite romances. Oh. So my, my expectations were really high and I'm so happy that it didn't disappoint. Like I said, it feels Yay. like a love letter to the fans like me. Mm -hmm. And I love that it let us see that Magdalene is just as wonderful and brilliant as we've been hoping for and suspecting all along. That's sweet. And I got to take a drink because my throat is too scratchy to do the outro. I ran out of my drink. I am now just coughing. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> that is all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show and you haven't yet, please make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You get notified when we release an episode. Like I said earlier, if you have a friend that you think would like it, please tell them about us. We'd love to be in their ears as well. And if you'd like to support us, uh, we do have links in our show notes to our coffee and our newsletter sign up. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links for that in the show notes as well. And everybody here knows how to reach us on all the social media sites, clearly recommended, or just email us at podcast at clearly recommended.com. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.